Welcome to the Plan Bpreneur podcast. This is the podcast for professionals, entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs, and leaders who want to create greater income and impact. On the podcast, we explore strategies, tools, and techniques for creating multiple income streams, achieving financial freedom, launching your entrepreneurial dreams, and living a life of impact. We bring to you amazing guests and experts, as well as practical opportunities to help you achieve your entrepreneurial goals. This is the Plan B Premier Podcast, and I'm your amazing host, Damien. Today, I have with me Andrew Erweg on the show. I've had the opportunity to work with Andrew and collaborate over the years. So I'm super excited to sit with him and chat about how he creates value in the world through multiple platforms. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Hey, Tammy. Thanks for having me. And I'm loving the energy this morning so far. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Andrew, as we get started, first question I want to ask you, I know you are an entrepreneur, you support entrepreneurs. So what would be your favorite entrepreneurship quote? So I've got sort of a bit of a weird one that I can't really attribute to someone famous. It actually comes from an old high school classmate of mine. And that quote is, tough times don't last, tough people do. And I just find that just a perfect quote that sort of exemplifies sort of all of the challenges that you experience day to day as an entrepreneur. But you also realize looking at that quote that those challenges are finite and you can overcome those challenges. And the more you overcome, the tougher you become and the better you become at being an entrepreneur. So that's my favorite quote. Brilliant. That's a lot of wisdom there. Thank you for sharing. And I love the fact that you said this came from high school friend of yours um, and wisdom can come from anywhere. That's brilliant. And that's why we're sitting together today and we want to learn from your wisdom. And I know that you're not just any kind of person, but you've walked this route for a while. So I want to hear about your journey. How did you get to this point? What are the things that you are currently doing and how did you get to this point? Yeah, thanks, Demi. So my career right now, uh, it's 10 plus years spanning across three different continents. Uh, working at everything from Fortune 500 companies to running startups to now jumping on the other side to being a consultant and an investor. Um, so I'm involved in a, several different activities, but my main three activities are as follows. So first, I'm a senior advisor at SeedStars. So SeedStars works with early stage entrepreneurs across emerging markets, and I sort of work with their African portfolio, helping them build more sustainable and profitable businesses. The next sort of hat I wear, I'm a member of Under Namers for Under Namers, which in English is Entrepreneurs for Entrepreneurs. And what I do is I run a pre-seed business accelerator in Rwanda for sort of early stage businesses to help them build sort of more sustainable, impactful companies. Then in addition to that, um, we also do up to 50,000 euros sort of small micro investments to help catalyze these businesses. So that actually only takes up about 20%, 15% of my day. Um, the vast majority of my focus is on my own consultancy called Step Change Africa, which I co-founded with four other individuals about a year and a half ago. And what we do is we provide really hands-on services to seed to Series A startups operating across Sub-Saharan Africa. So it doesn't seem like there's always enough hours in the day, but uh, I'm kept quite busy and really enjoying what I'm doing so far. That's brilliant. No, that's a lot of uh, work to do right there, but also meaningful work. I've had the opportunity to 
get close to what you do at OVU and seeing some of that impact. So that's brilliant. And I'm sure that uh, some of the guests on the show might benefit from some of the work that you do as well. And you, you talked about your journey. You've worked with Fortune 500 companies. You've helped to grow startups. And now you're you're a consultant. How did you uh, make the transition from what I assume maybe was a full-time in some of those companies to where you are now, where you're doing these different things from seed stars to OVO to step change? Yeah. Yeah, so that transition, it's quite a, quite an interesting story. Um, so originally I was based across between based across East Africa for about five years. And then um, I fell in love with someone and moved to a new country. And that's where essentially I went from having a large defined network um, in Rwanda. That's where I moved to from last. And then I came to, to this new country and I didn't know anyone. And it's one of the things where, and completely different continent as well. So it's something that I felt, what's the best way to sort of stay involved in the entrepreneurial ecosystem? And I found that becoming a consultant was the best way to do it. And what I did is just sort of did a lot of desk research, uh, spoke to a lot of my networks uh, back in Rwanda, because Rwanda has a very close uh, connection with Belgium. Um, there's a lot of family, there's a lot of political, there's a lot of historical ties with it. And basically playing on my own network that I developed in Rwanda, as well as doing a lot of desk research and seeing what sort of organizations focus on what I believe and I'm really passionate about, entrepreneurism in Africa, I was able to slowly start cultivating opportunities here in Belgium and then slowly across Europe as well. Uh, what I particularly focus on is a little bit more niche, even though it might sound quite general, focusing on entrepreneurship in sort of emerging African markets. Um, from a European perspective, where I'm currently based in Europe, um, there's very few organizations that actually focus on it. So what I'm actually offering is quite unique, even though it might sound quite general at the end of the day. Um, so it was basically a personal experience that sort of transformed me going from a, a startup operator to jumping on that other side of the table. And it's something that's also enabled me to really have the flexibility um, to really take on a variety of different projects. And it's also allowed me to take advantage of a few opportunities I wasn't able to previously when I was a startup operator, particularly from the OVO side, I'm on the investment part. I've experienced personally fundraising for two times so far, and now to be able to be on the other side of the table, I feel I can offer a lot more experience and I can also learn a lot more from that. So I feel that sort of my my journey as a startup operator has really helped me sort of sort of develop my sort of presence here as a, a consultant and advisor and mentor for businesses uh, yeah, across Sub-Saharan Africa. Interesting. I like that you start to talk about some of the ways that you are getting this work that you're doing. And I'll come to that in a bit because I wanted to unpack how do you put yourself in the space as a consultant where you are getting to work with all those different organizations? What do you do? How do you promote your work? But first, I want to hear from you. And, and by the way, I also thought it was interesting that, um, like you said, love was one of the things that moved you from <laughs> startup or Prater to entrepreneur and consultant DTC. So that can, I mean, the transition can happen for people in many different ways and for many different purposes. So that's exciting to hear as well. But I want to hear from you. Um, when people hear the word consultant, people think about a guy in McKinsey or like BCG or like Bain and Company or or some other people just have random thoughts about what does a consultant do? So what, what when you talk about consultant, what do you do day to day? What do you do for 
um, businesses and people that you serve? Yeah, so that's a really good question. I think just let's just first look at the term consultant. It's mainly perceived as sort of a negative term. As you said, McKinsey, Boston Consultancy Group, um, those are organizations that charge very high fees. And sometimes you're not always 100% sure of the quality of the work, but you do know you have very intelligent people behind it. So that's just the first comment I wanted to make. In terms of what I do on a day-to-day basis, it really varies. It could be helping a Ugandan ride-hailing startup sort of map their expansion strategy across East Africa. It could be working with a South African uh, corporate development uh, organization and helping them with their, their next fundraise. It could be working with one of the European governments and help connecting SMEs in that country to future business opportunities across Africa. So it's very much varied. And what I try to do is to move away from that typical consultancy side where it just it's reports at the end of the day, it's advising. We try to offer at Step Change Africa, be more hands-on to it. So that's why we created this offering called the Virtual C-Suite. Um, it's virtual because we can't always be where always our clients are, but it's something where we actually join the company and help them solve those critical problems. So it allows me personally to still be that implementer and still have carry on that sort of experience from a startup operator. So that's something that I try to do is be that implementer, not just that talker and giving you a 10 page document to, to move forward on because yes, it may come across quite straightforward when I'm engaging with a client on a video call or in person, but when it actually comes to execution, it's a completely different ballgame. And that's where I'm actually able to bring my passion into it and still be at that hands-on sort of support. So that's the type of consultant that um, I'm trying to be and my organization is trying to offer uh, yeah, to the companies we work with. That's interesting. I know that a lot of consultant, and, and I think consultant briefs differ, right? Like there are consultant briefs that end at the recommendation stage. But of course, like you're saying, there's an implementation component to it, especially when your client is also the kind of client that is willing to walk that road um, with you and that journey with you, right? And so I, I want to dive into how do you get clients, but also how do you get the kinds of clients that you want to work with, right? Like I know. Um, there's there's not a when in, in consulting there's not always a match between um, the the client and the consultant. But I, I guess that would be part B of the question. But first, I want to hear from you as somebody who identifies as a consultant. How do you promote your work? How do you get the gigs, for lack of better words? And how do you uh, keep that going? Especially because this is not a, for lack of better words, it's not like you're working in a place where you're salaried from month to month but then you have to create opportunities that you work in. Yeah. Yeah. So actually the hard work for consultant, I actually started back 10 years ago, um, just building my own professional network, um, developing those relationships, maintaining those relationships, even if it's sort of internationally um, from that perspective. And that's been that network that I've been able to cultivate over the last 10 years. It's been really supportive as I made a transition from you know, working in-house at a company to, to launching a consultancy. Um, those were some of my first clients I was able to, to pick up. And um, as I said before, I co-founded Step Change Africa with several other individuals, and we've all been heavily relying on our personal networks. So that's been able to help us sort of get off the ground and sort of generate profit and slowly become a sustainable consultancy from that perspective. 
Um, in addition to that, you always can't just rely on the network. You always have to make sure there's constantly new lead generation. Um, so I'm really active on social media and particularly LinkedIn. I find LinkedIn is a great opportunity because everyone's on it. Um, and there's a whole host of people sharing opportunities, ideas, and that's where I've been able to create a number of really useful contacts, particularly in terms of partnerships, um, whether they can sort of help bring sort of direct uh, business into us and challenge for bids, but also through like marketing events as well. Something that we can leverage indirectly for more consistent sort of uh, yeah, a deal flow for the organization. The next thing is actually Twitter, uh, particularly as I operate in the African startup ecosystem. Twitter is actually quite a, an active sphere, but it's a very small sphere at the end of the day. But for me, it really depends what particular market, um, particularly for the Nigerian market, uh, Nigerian Twitter, there's always people asking for things. It's really proactive. And it's one of the things where someone says like, hey, I need a consultant that can do this. Well, that's I'll directly engage him for that. Um, so, and it's similar to that, like with Kenya and a few other African markets, but for the smaller ones, it's not necessarily the case, but I've seen Twitter, as long as you're sort of active in the space, you're regularly posting. What do I mean? Regularly posting, posting about two to three times a day and just constantly paying attention, but not making sure it takes up too much of your time. You can really find some of those opportunities there. So at the end of the day, it's those three particular areas that I've been having the most amount of success. And then for the fourth part is actually it's online events. The great thing about COVID, even though it's been terrible from a health perspective and shutting down our global economies, it's really transformed the, the conference industry. Normally going to conferences, it would cost you hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. Now a lot of events have a hybrid component. And that hybrid component in most cases is free or under $100. And that's a huge savings. And been able to really develop sort of a bigger network and just sort of be able to get sort of the, the good word out about my organization and my own personal work. And I've been able to really get a huge amount of deal flow in a short period of time. So I could tell you over the first year of operation for Step Change Africa, basically we attended everything and anything. And to be honest, that's not a very good strategy. But it really does help you as you go into year two of the business. You know which event is worthwhile and which is not, and you could be a little bit more targeted into it. So I think online events, whether conferences, webinars, uh, workshops, it's a great way to meet people. And it's also a great way to save money as well, particularly as you build your business. That's brilliant. That's a lot right there. And I'm going to come back to some of them and just ask some further questions. But I hear you say you built a network over about 10 years now, and now you are able to tap into that network. You also say at Step Change Africa, you collaborated, you founded this with other people. So everyone is able to pull into their different networks, which talks about this concept of partnership and collaboration. And then you are talking about LinkedIn being a very strategic place for you to form some of these partnerships, get this marketing event opportunities. And then you talked about Twitter, right? I'm looking out for what people are asking for. And then also posting, right? So you got to do some social media work right there. Um, you got to be visible on social media because I think the dynamics of the world indeed have changed. Um, people are very happy to put their needs out 
on social media because it's the easiest way to communicate or share their thoughts. So that's one thing not to overlook by any means. And you talked about online events as well. Um, I'm just attending all that. I, I can imagine your dividing of the events and saying, who's going to do this event? There are two events on Thursday. Who's going to go to this one? And I'm curious about this online events, for example. So um, depending on what the infrastructure or the environment is, how do you network with people in that space? Do you just go in and follow the conversation and put your details in the chat? Or how do you connect with people or DM people, ETC? Yeah. Yeah. So for the webinars and workshops, um, what I normally do is give access to my LinkedIn profile to share just a small introduction of who I am. This is what I am. I've noticed a lot of people add me on LinkedIn um, quite quickly. For the conferences, that it's a little bit of a different tack because there's more defined meeting rooms. It's something where I make sure I get on the platform about a day to two days ahead of time. And I just go through the overall attendee list and who's created their profile already. And I just start arranging meetings ahead of time uh, for that. So it's one of the things I really do the background sort of legwork, see who's interesting, do background on their businesses, start connecting the dots and lining up those meetings before the conference actually starts. Something else to take into consideration that sort of list for those people attending the conference and those profiles, some were created quite early, but there's actually a huge amount that actually don't create their profile until actually the conference starts. So it's one of the things where you can't just sort of say like, okay, I've created 20 meetings so far with it. And 20 is already quite a bit, but it's one of the things you constantly need to be scrolling through that list because sometimes on day one, and it's not until day two, all of the participants have fully created profiles and there could be that really interesting person that you want to talk to from that business that you've been willing and wanting to, to win a bid from. So you just have to constantly be scrolling through it. And something also to take into consideration is also map out what sessions you want to attend. What I've quickly realized is that you go to this online conference and it's taken up by meetings, but you realize you're actually not able to attend some of the sessions. And that's the main reason why, in addition to meeting people, actually you want to learn from the brilliant people who are speaking at the conference. So I just highly recommend is when you're mapping out your meetings, make sure you also include what are a few, two, three, four sessions you want to attend. Because this is not always about networking. What makes you interesting as a consultant is the knowledge that you have. And you get that from reading. But from here, from the comps perspective, it's from learning from people that know more than you. So that's sort of my my tactics when you, you take advantage of online events. No, I, I love it. I love that you talk about um, staying sharp as a consultant and continuing to find the middle ground between that networking and that adding knowledge and value to yourself. And just um, sort of follow up questions. So you talk about those relationships that you, I, I actually want to ask two questions together, but let me see how I can phrase it. You talk about this relationships that you've built and maintained over like 10 years. So practically, have you done that? The other thing is when you are meeting with these people virtually, what do you do? Do you go pitch yourself and do you go just say, or, or how do you translate that conversation into something eventually that becomes beneficial to you without being salesy, right? Mm -hmm. Without being, um, yeah. Yeah. So how have been able to develop those relationships? Um, a lot of these sort of things that start off from business opportunities, people came friends um, from it. So what I do is I stay in touch with them via WhatsApp, um, stay in touch with them via LinkedIn. 
Um, a lot of these people, if they're more business contacts or acquaintances, I usually speak to them once a quarter just to follow up to see how things are going. Um, I have this weird uncanny ability is that I sort of remember what's the last thing we spoke about. Um, I might miss a lot of the details, but it's one of the things that I'll follow up. Say it's somebody, Steve in Kenya with it. If he's building a company and six months later, it's like, Steve, how's the business going for that? And just that small remembrance about what that last conversation is about. It allows you to pick up the conversation like nothing really changed for it. And particularly when you're able to jump back in that conversation, the other person's able to sort of just run with it from where you just left off. That's where you know you have a good relationship. If you have to start revisiting the relationship from step one over and over and over again, that means the person that you try and develop that relationship for, it means they really didn't pay attention. And know it, it means they also probably really didn't care too much at the time as well. Things change with it, but that's how I've been able to identify who's a good contact and acquaintance and who should I just sort of leave to the side um, from it. And then in terms of the, the second question, how am I able to, sorry, was it, it's how am I able to, yeah, not sound so salesy when it comes to, to meeting people. What I like to do is that's that background research. It's one of the things where do you have overlapping interests? Um, it's one of the things you don't want to come and say like, hey, I'm Andrew, I'm a consultant, I offer this, 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 and this. It's one of the things where I like to showcase the expertise first. I like to tell them where I'm coming from, where I've worked before. Particularly as if I'm speaking to a startup, um, I actually talk about my startup experience first before I jump into I'm a consultant because it builds that trust. Because you know that that person understands your journey. If I'm speaking to a particular investor group, that's where I lead with uh, entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. So OVO, because it's one of the things and they know like, ah, I know it. This person's not after my money. This is somebody we can actually share knowledge and experiences. So it's really just tailoring sort of what experience and what skill set is most useful for that particular person you want to talk about. Yes, there will be some people you'll talk about. They're like, I just want to get to the point. What are you trying to sell me? And those types of conversations, they really only last 30 seconds to a minute, um, unless you happen to kick things off. And you will have those conversations. But I find those conversations are actually the worst. Um, even though you might say it's clarity and credibility, if the people just jump in and start talking about money, that means they don't care about your skill set. They, they care about what you're actually going to charge them. At the end of the day, they're going to try and draw down your fees. So it's one of the things, just adapt accordingly and just make sure you can sort of slowly build those relationships because nothing's going to come directly with a sort of how much do you cost and let's get started tomorrow. The likelihood of that happening is slim to none. So it's just sort of small baby steps with each person and just developing that more authentic relationship. And that's just because you have things in common. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Thanks. And what I'm hearing a lot from what you're saying is for people trying to sell their skills, their knowledge, their expertise, there's a lot of relationship building and, and maintaining that is involved because um, a lot of that happens through people who have recognized your ability, recognized your skill uh, and, and experience and knowledge to be able to deliver. There's something else you mentioned about pricing, but I won't get into it today. We'll probably need to bring you back to come talk about pricing as a different conversation, not just pricing, but actually also like the value, the balance, um, certain value in the 
uh, agreeing on what is value in with your client, right? And, and I think that might be different for different types of clients, but we'll come back to that. So as we're winding this down, because it's been a really good conversation and um, we, we appreciate it. What are some of the things that maybe you were, and you've talked a lot about that, you've shared your ideas. What are some of the things that you might advise somebody who is um, selling their skills and experience and expertise for um, as, as one of their sources of income or the main source of income? Uh, what are some of the ways that you will further advise them to go about this, especially um, bringing your clients into the bag and yeah, making that money? Yeah, so the first thing I would do is stop and think. It's one of the things where look at your CV, look at your skill set, look at where your interests lie. And it's one of the things, start figuring out sort of what makes you tick and what's the type of work you want to do. But the type of work you want to do aligns with where your skill set actually is. So first think about yourself. After that, then look at sort of people that operate in the similar space as you. What are they doing? in terms of brand positioning. Do they actually have their own website or are they just really active on LinkedIn? What are some tactics you can learn from them to do and learn what not to do? Because people also do a really poor way. There's a lot of poor examples of people presenting themselves in just the worst negative light. So first thing, make sure you're in order before you actually start doing the, the outreach um, from that perspective. In terms of what platforms you need to use is you need to get on LinkedIn. If you're not on LinkedIn, then you're already behind the game. But it's something with in terms of being on LinkedIn, make sure your profile is filled out and make sure you're at least posting once a week. Whether you're sort of sharing, I just recently spoke at this podcast or this event, or it's something like this is a new piece of research that I created, or this is a new blog post. Also, something that's great is also comment on other people's posts. Um, a lot of people just do the simple liking and you see Andrew just like this post. No, it really doesn't mean much at the end of the day. And that's sort of just, we also, that's a throwaway action and very lazy comment. Even if it's like, this sounds great, loving what you do, that's a start, but that's still quite superficial. Go into detail, add three or four lines onto a particular thing, why you actually liked it or why are you particularly challenging on LinkedIn. There's a lot of people that are pseudo experts on LinkedIn. So you can very easily challenge someone and come out in a very positive light. Then moving on to, to Twitter. Um, Twitter, I try to post basically one to two times a day. I'm not hitting that three times a day per market yet, but that's what I'm working on. And that's where I feel I'm able to get a lot of people that are interested in particular partnerships, not directly clients of mine. And that's something that I feel that it's quite popular, particularly as I'm trying to shift my business to go to a little bit more sort of bigger businesses, moving on from the Series A to add a little bit more SMEs into the portfolio. A lot more of those successful entrepreneurs are actually very active on Twitter. So I need to be on the same street as them. And I need to start matching them in terms of what they're talking about. And also in terms of the frequency amount that they're, they're posting. I think a really good example is, and I'm going to butcher his name. So it's the founder of Vandela and uh, Flutterwave. He's, I think he's one of six people in the world that's founded um, two different um, unicorns and it's one of the things he's posting like eight nine ten times a day and it's one of the things where i don't have that time to do it because i'm a consultancy and time is money from that he's got a little bit more stable income but it's one of the things where just slowly learning from other people it's like putting your emotions out there putting your expertise he shares so much from his own experiences and that's something that i just need to increase from a frequency side 
So that's from a personal standpoint and on the Twitter side. And then putting yourself out there, events. Events are a great way just to go meet 100 people, 50 people online, or 400 people in person when the in-person conferences start again. But conferences only happen once a month, once a quarter. So make sure you identify what events work for you, what events you can afford if you're particularly just starting a business. Conferences are terribly expensive, particularly if you're going in person. And then go out there, make sure you have your business cards, make sure you also identify people ahead of time who you want to speak to, do your background research, do your homework, and just throw yourself out there. I know for a lot of people, particularly starting a new business, some people are willing to all go sort of full on into it. Other people are quite shy. But at the end of the day, when you do start putting yourself out there, whether you're extrovert or introvert, just put yourself out there, start towing the line of be feeling more uncomfortable because that's what an entrepreneur is all about. It's being on the board between uncomfortable and comfortable. And you need to start feeling more comfortable, feeling uncomfortable every day. So that's, that's it from that angle. Uh, Andrew, that is so brilliant. That is beautiful. I think I need to give this a re-listen. Personally, I'm inspired by a lot of the things that you shared, and I'm going to put them to practice, I can tell you for sure. And But also, start getting comfortable, being uncomfortable. I think that is a brilliant sign-off quote. Andrew, this has really been a, a super park session. Like I said, I want to bring you back to talk about like pricing and value at some point in the future. But um, for listeners out there, I hope you've enjoyed this session so far. Andrew will be joining us in a series of online workshops, talking about workshops and uh, online conferences. Andrew will be joining us in a series of online workshops that we're doing in the second week of December. And go check it out at planbpreneur.com. And it's going to bring more of that value to the conversation that we we've, we've been having. So do check that out and make sure that you're following us on social media and you are looking out for the next time this podcast drops. Andrew, I want to thank you once again for being with us. And my very last question for you before you go is, as an entrepreneur, as a consultant, things do get crazy and, you know, there's not enough hours in the day. What are the two to three things that keep you, should I say, sane, refreshed and energized and keep you going? Yeah, for me, I need to take time off. It's one of the things I need to turn my my brain off. I need to focus on other things. So the first thing from a high-level perspective, I make sure I take at least one to two days off a week. Um, I'm still monitoring my emails, but it's one of the things, unless it's urgent, I don't open it. Um, in terms of the two other things, actually, uh, might sound quite cliche, but it's exercise. Um, it's something I play football twice a week. I play in a local league where I'm based here in Belgium. But in the morning, I actually do 20-minute workouts, and I found that's a greater way to relieve the stress and sort of get the self-esteem out. I feel like it gives me a lot more energy than just drinking a lot of coffee and tea in the morning. So that's really helpful. And then the last part is I like to read. Um, it's one of the things where I do read business books, but I found out when I do read business books, the stress is actually still there. I really can't fully turn off. So in addition to that, I read a lot of nonfiction so I can just mentally transport myself into another world for an hour, two hours. So that's those are sort of my three areas where I'm able to really sort of unwind, rejuvenate, and actually where I get a lot of ideas and inspiration. So when I'm, I'm back in my, my home working hot desk area, then I can really jump into it and sort of ready and raring to go and hopefully, yeah, do better every day. 
Awesome, awesome, brilliant stuff. It work if it works for you, please keep doing it. Uh, but thank you also for sharing that. Everyone, it's been great to be on the show with you. Thank you for listening to us and spending time with us. Go check out our website, canbepreneur.com, and uh, know when the next podcast comes up and share this with somebody that you know will definitely be of value to. So till I come your way again, I am Demi and keep creating that income and creating that impact. Bye for now.